Hi, it's Melanie White here with the Sage Women podcast, and I'm really looking forward to talking to Michelle Hassani today. Michelle, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks, Mel. It's lovely to be here. I would love it if you could introduce yourself to the listeners, please. So um, I'm a wellbeing co-design specialist and coach, and I work with all levels of organisations to co-design wellbeing strategies, policies, initiatives, and to create thriving workplace cultures. Um, I'm basically driven by a desire to inspire organisations and individuals to embrace change and create um, environments where wellbeing and leadership are pivotal to their success. Mm. And it's so true, isn't it? A lot of people think that work and wellbeing are separate, but they actually are interdependent. Yeah, absolutely. So... And I, and I guess the other bit is my focus is more around midlife. So really working with people who are at that pivotal point in their careers where transition is... Um, Thrust in upon us. <laughs> <laughs> well, life's one big transition. Um, yeah. it's, it's, you know, the transitions through that midlife period are more significant than potentially some of the others and often less talked about. It's a good point. And given that they're not talked about and it is a really important time, that's what we're here to talk about today is the true cost of menopause and that's to individuals and to businesses, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I've seen some figures, Michelle, and I know you've seen these as well, that the cost of menopause to organisations is in the order of $10 billion per year. And that's recent research out of Griffith University. And then we're also seeing from the Australian Superannuation, Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, costing individuals $17 billion a year in lost super and wages. Huge costs. And it makes me say, well, no wonder we're seeing an increase in women's homelessness. And we're seeing a huge issue, which is women not speaking up, struggling with symptoms, brain fog, cognitive function, questioning who they are and what they want to do for the rest of their life and leaving the workforce early. And we're seeing a, a, a too high proportion of women in that situation. So can you tell us a little bit about what the areas are that are impacted for a yeah. business? Yeah, I think for, I, I guess I categorise it into four different areas. So the first being that career, in, the, the impact career for the individual and the spin-off on that is the impact it has on the workforce and, and all of those costs that you've just said. The second is around the financial planning and healthcare uh, impact for an individual. Um, and then the social impact, so how it impacts our relationship and our communities and our environment, our families. And then that personal um, impact, you know, so relating to quality of life and mm. um you know, the ongoing needs that a person navigates to basically find themselves well and reconnect with themselves through such a huge hurdle, you know. Yeah, it is a bit of a shock when so many things change physically, emotionally, mentally, and it's outside of your control, let alone everything else that's going on in your life. Yeah, and I think the fact that we don't really... Um, have open conversation about menopause and the fact that it is such a natural part of our 
our life, you know, our life trajectory. Um, and so because we're not talking about it as openly as we could, um, it's really impacting, you know, all of those four areas. But for an organisation or a business, um, what we then see is, you know, that inability to keep good, good women in the workforce is, is mm -hmm. pivotal, particularly if we want strong gender equity within our boards and our leadership and those decision-making um, and it's at the prime of a person's life where they've basically often become empty nesters, you know, and they basically have the capacity to really link into their purpose and passion, but then their health takes a, a bit of a, you know, we all navigate it differently, but it impacts it impacts a person's health and wellbeing. And mm -hmm. so then they're not able to necessarily give their all when it's actually at the time when, we'd hope that they could and when businesses really need them to stick around. Yeah, the, the loss of wisdom and IP, guidance, leadership, mentorship, client relationships that have been built over many years. There's so many amazing qualities that a mature woman brings to an organisation. And maybe I'm starting down the road of what I want to ask you about is what are those non-financial costs to businesses? Yeah, I think really where does it really hurt them? <laughs> well, you know, ultimately it hurts it in the in their um in their back pocket, like in terms of their their you know if you if you think about losing all of that wisdom, um, the IP, all of those things you've just said, where it hits is the cost of of recruiting and um, training people to be able to step into those roles um, is is huge you know um but i think it's more than that i think it's about when people leave and they're not feeling at their best mm. people are leaving businesses feeling unsupported because there isn't an option to do it differently mm. whereas if you've had a great relationship with an organization or a business that you've worked with over a period of time and you're able to have those open and frank conversations about what your needs are that's when flexibility and adaptability and the reviewing of what an organisation currently is doing can actually keep people well and at work mm. and create those environments where people feel safe, yeah. um, you know. So I think, I think it comes down to your talent retention yeah. um, is, is one key. Um, the other cost is about that brand, you know, so really being able to, um, you know, um, have the brand an organisation is portraying and then how they're treating their employees or how they're mm. really fostering that alignment. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there. So they're two, they're two key areas. Um, but then the other is also around... Um, you know, that loss of productivity, the loss of um, ability for people to perform at their best when often women don't really understand what's going on mm. in themselves. And often that perimenopausal phase can be a time when people are still trying to work out what's going on and then by the time it catches up, it, it's like, oh, that's what's been happening. So that's why I'm not performing at my best. Mm. Um, and I think... Because systems don't necessarily support people 
um, who are going through perimenopause and menopause, often um, it's too late when people recognise it and so you've lost the talent, you've lost the productivity, whereas some slight tweaks in how things are done can actually keep people mm. in the mix. Because Gen X, we are a very loyal generation. We're determined. We have that keep quiet and soldier on mentality and that means that we push ourselves and push ourselves to keep doing the standard of work and, and the performance that we've always done and yet we burn out and then we give up. So it's this hidden burnout cycle almost. Yeah. And, and I mean, but then without the, that conversation, what happens? Yeah. And I think too, Mel, people think that they're burning out when in actual fact the symptoms between burnout and menopause are very similar. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a true diagnosis of what's going on. Um, so the symptoms might appear to be the same, mm. but the cause of it is quite different or can be quite different. And yeah. so that's where those that transparency of conversation and people feeling safe to talk about what's going on can help people to really navigate um, menopause and perimenopause better. Mm. Mm. I'm thinking also as we're talking about the ripple effect of a resignation, somebody who's looked up to and revered in a company and sometimes there are those flow-on resignations too or clients jump ship to follow that person or whatever it yeah. might be. It really depends on the type of business that you're in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think they're all um, relationship management is a huge one. If you've got a great relationship with one person and they leave, often it's like with coaching people buy your service because they have the relationship connection with you mm. in, in other industries it's exactly the same where that connection and that relationship is pivotal to um, the service that they're getting or the products that they're purchasing that kind of stuff so I think they're all the things that we often don't actually put a price on but they are huge um, and can really impact the financial well-being of the business let alone the individual in the process yeah i believe there's going to be some research into these uncosted areas but i'm a bit scared about seeing the figures actually um and and then i guess to the other point that you raised earlier what what's the cost to individuals what are some of the things that they're facing at this time well i mean this is how long's a piece of strength you know and i think it's about um, to the individual, to start with, cost of living is on the increase. And so having a disruption in career um, and that financial earning capacity mm. can really impact. So we are seeing higher numbers of women um, in midlife experiencing homelessness. Yeah. And again, that number's quite hidden because women are incredibly resourceful. And so... Um, we don't truly know the actual cost of, of what that is to our society or to the individuals at this point in time. You know, so that's the other thing. The second is around our systems in terms of superannuation are all geared very much to, they were created around men, you know, mm. and not around women who press pause on their careers multiple times for child rearing, family support mm. you know raising children and then you put menopause in the mix and there's another potentially another pause 
So our super system doesn't necessarily fully support women anyway. Um, and then an interruption in Korea at that midlife where often people have the capacity because they don't have as much debt to be able to pouring into that is very much impacted. Um, then you've got the cost of, um, you know, relationships. So if you've, you know, women going through perimenopause and menopause, often those things like poor sleep, mood changes, um, not feeling confident in yourself because you're not quite sure what's going on, you're seeing its impact, your purpose and meaning because you might be changing your role or working less, not feeling productive. That has such a spin-on effect to self-esteem, to then how you might interact with your relationship with your spouse, your children, your community. So the ripple effect of that, putting a dollar amount on that, I don't think anyone's really done it, uh, but I think it's huge. Um, and then if if someone is, um, you know, when you look at the divorce rates, mm. you know, they're increasing for older couples and um, potentially that can lead to huge reduction in financial security and safety um, and, you know, the spin-off on that then raises a whole heap of other concerns for a person mm. impacting mental health and well-being. Um, you know, the quality of life for a person and then their ability to actually navigate what they need and where to get it. Mm, and I think I'm, I'm thinking of another thing that we know as coaches is that people that come to us for support to improve healthy habits, it's often that they're so stressed, so tired, so emotionally overwrought, so overwhelmed that they stop eating well, they start reaching for convenience foods or alcohol or stop exercising. So that flow-on effect into personal care and health habits is really significant too, which then leads on to, gosh, it's a bit depressing all this, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> but I think all of those foundational things, so, mm. you know, having great exercise routine and being able to um, eat nourishing foods that fuel your mind and your body. Yeah you know, being able to sleep well, all of those have that positive spin-on effect back to people's careers and how their mind works and how they're able to be productive and, you know, helping people to really um, connect with and build their mental fitness and agility is really important in all of this. And so, I mean, really we need to be starting this way before perimenopause. Yeah. Um, but if those things are consistent, then it helps people to be um, more able to navigate perimenopause and menopause in a in a smoother transition than mm. what, you know. and then you know adding to the mix and often it's not so much talked about is those people that are put into early menopause as a result of um, you know cancer treatment or other um, medical conditions that impact and I think that there there's a whole other lot of costs that we haven't even on yeah yeah so on the upside of things or the opportunity side of things what are maybe two or three things that a business could do to help women to stay safe and well and at work yeah I think the first is to not see the subject as taboo 
you know, I think there's a whole heap of work that could happen around the language of um, leadership and menopause mm. um, and not seeing it as just a women's issue. You know, this is actually a problem that affects everyone because of the spin-off um, of what you lose as a business if you don't support women to stay well and safe at work. Um, so opening that conversation, really looking at is the workforce flexible, you know, um, rather than losing people because of a point in time, mm. how can you work with women to create a platform or a framework that allows some diversity um, within approaches to work, um, you know, whether that's thinking about policies, thinking about, um, you know, practical things like uniform and um, where people work and what the temperature is in an environment, all of those things that can create, you know, an environment where people feel comfortable to be at work. Um, but also I think doing that cost-benefit analysis of what is it worth to an organisation to keep good people at work versus losing them and then having to to reinvent or re, you know, re-energise their workforce um, because the problem is going to keep happening if you, you know, um, because women will experience perimenopause and menopause. So it's about finding finding those solutions now rather than yeah. waiting until it's so problematic that you have have talent walk out the door. Yeah, and, and I think it's a great point, particularly leading into uncertain economic times, retaining great team members is so important because the cost to replace them is significant, as you mentioned earlier. So I'm really taking away from this that, doing what you can to help your team members feel valued, supported, and, and health seems to be, from various reports I've seen, one of the big drivers that keeps people at a workplace. Yeah, I think too, you know, like it's thinking about businesses also have an opportunity to think about what's the benefits that they provide their employees. So, you know, is it about looking at um what insurances might they be providing that support people to be able to take leave when they need to? Um, you know, do they do they actually provide enough, um, you know, um, income protection and those kind of things that may kick in if a person gets unwell through the process? Yeah. Um, I think that having really clear career planning um, so that, there's a strategy like if you're working with an individual and they are aware of the changes that might be happening for them then mm. being able to actually put a plan in place so that um people can step out as they need to and step back in as they need to you know like so that that way the work isn't interrupted but nor is the person's career mm. um, so you know being but if you don't have a plan um then you miss all of those opportunities to be able to, um, I guess, create that workforce that is sustainable long-term. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think, you know, it's about also 
early in a piece, um, creating financial planning opportunities where people are then looking at their financial wellbeing and what part can a business play in terms of supporting their employees around that. Um, so, again, another benefit that keeps people at work and in the mix um, within that. So, and I think you asked me for individuals what the take-home would be. Be. Yeah, on yeah. Top of, yeah, we talked about the workplace and then what businesses and what can individuals do perhaps. I think it's about priority, prioritising self-care. So, um, you know, making sure that um, that open communication happens not only at work but when you go home. It's about um, that education piece for everyone, your partner, your workplace, your family in terms of this is a natural thing that I'm transitioning through and this is some of the impact. This is how it might impact on us. So what's our strategy to work through that? So if you've got that open and honest communication, um, then basically that helps. Um, but also then not putting everyone else first, which is something that yeah. we're really great at doing. So you know, making sure that that exercise routine is in, is there. And, you know, for women, having good strength-based um, exercise within your routine is, is essential, you know, for good bone health, for good um, weight management, all of those things, you know, great nutrition because nutrition helps the mind, the body. Mm. And really focusing on stress management uh, because stress management then links to how you sleep um, and, um, you know, it can reduce the severity of the impact of the symptoms of menopause. So that would be my take home. And kick kick alcohol because it really is not your friend during menopause or perimenopause. Um, so, yeah. I remember being at uni and uh, doing a biology degree and preserving things in 100% alcohol and learning that it's a metabolic poison and then uh, we go off to the pub and have a drink and you think, hmm, there's a mismatch here. Yeah. I think too is the last thing I'd probably add to that is if you don't know, ask. You know, mm. so yeah. ask for help because you don't have to suffer alone. Mm. And um, if you're not getting what you need, look, I, I was I was doing a consult recently and, someone kind of went they thought they were going crazy but they didn't go to a doctor and they didn't you know go and seek some medical assistance and then when they did they realized it was actually their menopause symptoms and they were then able to get the support that they needed but it was they had suffered for a really long time changed career done a whole range of things mm. um that were negatively impacting them whereas if you you know, get advice early, then it's more helpful. Yeah. So some takeaways I'm getting from this session are the financial cost is huge to businesses and individuals. The non-financial cost is unknown but likely to be much more than that. Mm. I heard you talking about starting the conversation and, and maybe helping people, organisations and individuals figuring out the language and how to have that conversation. So conversation skills are important and then also being able to express 
needs and reach out for help yeah um, for organizations to make accommodations and allowances and provide support channels so that people know who to go to and how to seek help if they need it as well as flexible working arrangements among other things and for women to be supported with really understanding what's going on apart from reaching out for help taking better care of themselves and making time for that absolutely Mm -hmm. and you know on that um you know for younger people women that are listening start saving for your future because Bumps in the road happen, but if you don't have a fallback, um, then basically it makes those transitions much more difficult. So your bank account and your savings becomes, you know, a really good investment because you have choice and options. Such a great point to finish on. Thanks so much, Michelle, for your time today. Really appreciate it. And I know we're running a webinar or you're running a webinar soon. We'll put the details of that in the notes for this episode and we look forward to learning more about financial wellbeing in that session. And thanks for today. Thanks, Mel. Welcome to the Sage Women podcast, hosted by Melanie White and Dr. Nick Engerer. We have real conversations with real women, health professionals and coaches who share stories about perimenopause, menopause and a range of women's health issues. Please subscribe so you get the latest updates every fortnight.